Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 126 of our podcast, and today we are doing the 2021 F1 Drivers mid-season ratings. I am your host, Steph Wentworth, from All About Steph One on YouTube. And in this episode joining me, we have Gripship Podcast's host, Philip Matthew. Hello. And Monkey Seat Podcast, Tom Horrocks. Hello. So today, basically, we are going to be getting into the driver's mid-season ratings. It's basically what it says on the cover. But before we get into it, let's just give a couple of shout outs to the guys who have given us some five-star ratings on iTunes. So let's shout out Lance from the USA, Dan from the USA, and Mark from the Netherlands. Thank you guys so much. And if you guys want a shout out, make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes to be shouted out in the next Grid Talk podcast episode. But guys, let's just get straight into it. And I think we'll go from the bottom up. So we'll start with category F. And no surprise, the only guy that is right in the bottom at the minute is... Nikita Mazepin. So, Philip, let's just start with you. Let's sum up his season so far. Uh, he's spun out a lot. He's crashed a little bit. He's ran into his teammate a few times. Uh, generally disliked across multiple areas all over the world. His team likes him, though. Um, it helps when your dad and you know, basically is half owns half the team. So I guess that might help with why they like him. But um yeah, uh he's just not that good. And uh I don't really know uh where any progression is gonna happen. I mean the team is the worst team on the grid right now. They don't they're not really focused on this year. Uh, but his driving talent generally um only recently has he been able to start out qualifying Mick Schumacher, uh, but he's just not a guy that really should be in this series and is only there because of his father and um, Vladdy. Interesting. Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Because I feel like Mazepin started off the year really badly and has gotten contextually better. <sighs> Uh, yes, I, I actually do agree. A bit of an unpopular opinion. I mean, the guy is uh, is, as Phil rightly says, very unliked. But that's that's kind of fairly irrelevant, really. I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, just you know who's who's the who is your least liked sportsman, uh, you know, in motorsport, then it's probably going to be Nikita Mazepin every time. Um, I think, apart from one person on the uh, on on the channel, I've uh, I've rated him. Um, probably the highest uh, <laughs> at E uh, because I thought he, like you, he's, he was just absolutely dog slow at the start of the season, but he kept it out of the wall and he was finishing races and he's not created um, a, a lot of, in I mean, he's created incidents on track with people, you know, trying to lap him and things like that. And he's, he's just not shown great racecraft in that sense, but he has moved forward. He has improved from the start of the season and he's getting closer and closer to his teammate um, to the point where I think they'll actually start battling. Now, when they do start battling with other drivers on track, I think that's where we're going to see the real Nikita Mazepin come out. Cause at the moment he's just at the back and out of the way. Uh, and when he's fighting with other people, I think that's when we're going to see the, uh, the side of him that people expect us to see. So uh, uh, yeah, at the end of the season, I might not be quite so forgiving of him, but right now I think he's, uh, or certainly on the track, he's less offensive than off the track. Yeah, I mean, the only issue I've really had with him is him kind of ignoring blue flags in those situations. But apart from that, we don't see him. So I was at Silverstone and he was, 
I kid you not, the, the drivers were coming round the Hamilton straight and he was all the way around, like still at Maggots and Beckett's. Like he was far, far, far behind. So yeah, that's the only issue that I've really had with him. But like, I completely agree with you, Tom. I think that he has gotten better over the over the course of the season and he isn't making as many rookie errors as I think Mick Schumacher is making, but we'll come on. We'll start talking. We'll talk about Mick a little bit later, but in the D category, we have Daniel Ricciardo, Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi, Yuki Tsunoda and Nicholas Latifi. So let's go by these one by one. Let's talk about the Alfa Romeo boys first, because we've got both Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Antonio Giovinazzi rated in the D category. And just so you guys know, so you listeners know, these are the comprehensive grades that the entire Grid Talk podcast team has come up with. These are not just random ratings that I'm just throwing out at you. This is uh, this is the overall consensus from the entire team behind us. So if you want to go at anyone, you can go at the whole team. But let's start with the Alfa Romeo boys. Tom, how do you rate their season? I mean, I feel like Alfa Romeo is a team we literally see the least of when it comes to a race day. Yes, and long may it continue. Um, it's <laughs> They're just not... Uh, yeah. If you're going to grade the, the drivers, you'll grade them the same as the team. The team's not created a great car. The drivers haven't really excelled in that car either. Raikkonen has had odd moments where he's looked like he might still have some passion left in there and Giovinazzi has shown slight improvement uh, in various areas as well but again they're just such a vanilla bland team that just don't offer anything to the sport at the moment they need some kind of they need some kind of energy and impetus put into that team to make it exciting for the fans again because they are you don't see them for a reason um, it's 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 a different colored salver but with less going for it at least Alba had character um so yeah the, the drivers themselves as i said um there's been odd moments here and there but they for me I, I i would not be sad to see wholesale changes there next year so d i think is uh, i think that's how i've graded greater than both as d's as well but uh, i think i was being quite generous on that and i think the rest of the grid dog team were as well personally <laughs> Well, what would you specifically say about Antonio Giovinazzi? Because in reality, I think he is a very interesting case. This is his third year in Formula One. And he's a very forgettable guy when it comes to being on the grid. I feel like he's not had any special performances, shall we say. I mean, he's not a bad driver and he's not the worst driver that we have on the grid right now, but there's nothing special about him. So would you still see him as a contender for that seat next year? Or do you think that his poor or average performances this year are going to prevent him from being a contender. I do see him as a contender for the seat because I think we don't know how good he is and we'll never know how good he is until he's alongside somebody who is a known quantity. Kimi Raikkonen has been on this downward slope since 2013 and I think it's we just need to see him with somebody who's because it's a completely uh, it's, a, it's an unmeasurable statistic at the moment so he might be fantastic and Kimi might be rejuvenated and every bit as good as he used to be before the Ferrari slump but he's I, I don't think that's the case because again we, when we when you see him in positions when you think oh you know he, he can actually excel here he, he doesn't he's he's definitely closer to Raikkonen but again is that Raikkonen getting worse or him getting better we don't know so I do see him as a contender I, I think the best thing for the team would potentially be to keep him on on a one-year and then put in someone who's a known quantity alongside him. And if by half point, halfway point in the season, there's an option in there to remove him and put in a youngster if he's not performing against his new teammate, that's probably the option I would go for. 
What about you, Phil? Do you feel the same way about Gio? Do you think that this is his last year? I mean, personally, I agree with Tom in thinking that the team is really apathetic right now. Is that the right word? I think so. Um, and there's just, there's no life in them with both Kimmy yeah. and Antonio's quite quiet. I feel like they need a real exciting young driver, like someone like Callum Eilert or Robert Schwartzman or someone just who's going to breathe a bit of life into that team. So what are your thoughts on the Geo Raikkonen pairing right now? It, I mean, for for what it is, I mean, Tom said it, you've said it, Steph. I mean, they're not a relevant factor here. They're the C Ferrari team now. Um, Raikkonen, I wonder at times whether he cares or doesn't care. Uh, it's sad, you know, considering the guy is a world champion. At one time was one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy on the grid. And now he's just kind of, in a lot of ways, in the way. Giovinazzi is going to probably be there the way things are rolling unless they decide to do wholesale changes, unless somebody we're going to talk about here in a little bit um, becomes an option for them. Uh, I have a hard time seeing any real change there. They are going to make one driver change, I believe, um, whether it's Cal and Iowa, Schwartzman, Teo Pocher, insert some junior driver that has some connection to Ferrari or is a junior driver there. I think they have to do that. The Sauber at their best when they were Sauber itself always had that balance of youth and experience, or they had two younger drivers. Um, Three years with Giovinazzi of not much of anything. They're going to keep somebody there because he has the experience with this new car. Uh, put in a new guy and see what happens. I think they should do wholesale changes. They won't. Uh, the team is still going to be in the back next year, even with the new car with Haas. Um, and we'll figure it out from there. But I mean, I don't, I think for where Giovinazzi was a couple of years ago to where he is now, he's made the marginal improvement. But the problem is it's not improvements to where he's ever going to rise above where he is So at what point do you just decide to cut bait? That's the problem they have. They have an identity crisis that they don't know what to do with and or how to figure fix. So it's unfortunate, really, because Albert in their heyday was a really competitive uh, midfield organization, and they were they built up the likes of Kimi Räikkönen, the likes of uh, Felipe Massa. You know, there are other guys that came from there and drove for bigger teams. You know, and did great things, whether it was in Formula One or sports cars. But as they are right now, it's a um, they just make up the numbers, so to speak. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I feel like it's almost unfair to categorize Kimmy and Gio in the same category because I do think that Kimmy has been outperforming Gio, but they've both been performing at a level which I don't think is enough for either of them. Like Kimmy as a world champion, we expect him to be getting a little bit more out of such a terrible package, but it doesn't really feel like he's going above and beyond. And I feel like that can sometimes then end up coming across as he's lost the passion for what he's doing. Whereas, I don't know, I it's a difficult one, um, the both of them. I do completely agree with both with what both of you are saying. Um, but we're going to move on and not talk about the Alfa Romeo boys anymore because we've exhausted everything to say about them. And um, honestly, I can't believe we managed to say so much about them because I don't think I've seen them on the screen for 
10 minutes combined over the whole entire first course of the season. But anyway, let's move on to Yuki Sonoda, which is an interesting one because I didn't think that we would rate him so low. So he's in the D category alongside the Alfa Romeo boys. And I thought his season was a little bit better than this. I mean, I'm still underwhelmed with what he's done, but I wouldn't rate him so low. So what were your immediate reactions to seeing Yuki kind of in that group of people so low, Tom? Well, I think he's, uh, you, you just got to look at his teammate and that team. You know, the, the team pr- produced a car at the start of the season was in competition for, for to be the third best car. And when you've got Pierre, um, you know, I mean, I know you screwed up the race, but he, he putting it really high in uh, qualifying for Bahrain. And then his teammate just showed a bit of lack of experience and then ended up missing out on Q3. Um, so straight away, that's kind of off on, off on the bad foot. And then it just got, he had a good race, but it just went from bad to worse from there. So, um, I can I I think he fits into that D category just just nicely because for me a C is that you've kind of you've you've done what you should be doing you know you uh, but he hasn't done what he should be doing all you got to do is look at his teammate I don't think his teammate is at kind of world championship level yet which tells you there's definitely more performance that can be extracted from that car he's not putting it anywhere near where it can be so I think that the D just fits in just nicely there he's uh, he's definitely got potential he's definitely got speed but he doesn't have that right now so for me uh, he has to, he has to be a D Phil what are your thoughts on Yuki because he has had some strong performances this year and we've seen flashes of brilliance from him but apart from that he's kind of been nowhere to be found so I mean this weekend just got oh the last weekend we had in Hungary I think that was one of his stronger races and he picked up a decent haul of points I mean that was a really strong race for both of the Alpha Tauri boys but what's your overall thinking on how Yuki's season has gone so far are you disappointed yeah, I, I mean, in a in a sense, I was hoping for more. I, I watched F two last year, and there was a lot of competition, and he was one of the fast drivers in F two, and he looked good, and he had not only the pace, but he had the aggressiveness and all these things that it it seemed like he would be able to, with time, translate. And that's what I think where we're at. Okay, we're I think halfway through the year. He's made mistakes. He's had crashes in on inopportune times. He's made mistakes in races. And fundamentally, for what AlphaTauri are trying to do, I think it's a problem. In in theory, though, when you also consider that um, AlphaTauri, you know, they're in the midfield battle, and he has he's only been in one year of F three, one year in F two, and now you put him in F one car. It may be asking a lot of him to really compete, uh, which maybe makes the grade a little unfair. But there are errors and things you really shouldn't be doing once you get to that point in Formula One relative to the car as well that make it harder on Yuki. And I, I've been saying it for most of the year that I compare him to Takuma Sato. And it looks just like Takuma Sato when he was a rookie. He'd have flashes of brilliance. And then he'd do mind-numbingly dumb and idiotic things on the other side. So you take it for what it is. You have to take the good with the bad. And in the grand scheme of things, Red Bull doesn't have any other options. Uh, they, Because of their great system, uh, they've figured out ways to basically fill about a quarter of the Formula E grid. They fill out DTM, all these places, IndyCar. But they don't have Formula 1 drivers. So, I mean... I mean, they actually have filled out about a third of the Formula One field too, but 
Sonoda's going to get his time to figure it out. He'll get another year, and then we'll see what happens. I think the jury is out for this year. Gasly has outperformed him, of course, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think if this time next year we're in the summer break and he's doing the same things he's doing right now, he's going to be on a one-way ticket to driving Super Formula probably um, instead of Formula 1, unfortunately. Yeah, it's. I find it really interesting because I feel like there was a lot of hype around Yuki Tsunoda when he entered Formula One, and he definitely hasn't lived up to that hype. But I also don't think he's done as terribly as some people think he has, and that's why I don't know. I don't know if I'd put him higher than D, but maybe there are some other people in D that I would put lower, and then he would belong in D for me. So it's. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think Pierre is definitely performing to a great standard, which is why it's really hard to compare Yuki against Pierre because Pierre is really in his element in that AlphaTauri team. He knows what he's doing. He is, he's been in Formula One for several years now. He's got that experience. And we need to remember, Yuki's only done 11 races in Formula One. And I think he's definitely been the one of the more successful rookies. I mean, he only has... Mick Schumacher and Nikita Matapin to compare to. But I definitely think he's probably performing the best out of the three of them. So I don't know. I definitely agree with what you're saying. He will have a little bit more time because Red Bull have exhausted their options. Um, But it would be interesting to see where he is in a year's time. Anyway, let's move on and talk about the one that's getting me really vexed. The fact that Nicholas Latifi is in category D. And this one really hurt me when I saw it because I am a Nicholas Latifi fan. And he also did just pull out a P7 in Hungary. So I need you guys to both be on my side here and and big up Nicholas Latifi. Otherwise, I might have to kick you off. Now I'm joking, I'm joking. Tom, what do you have to say about Latifi's season so far. His second season in Formula 1, 11 races in, and he has six points on the board for Williams. He does, and I think that uh, I, I think you're not going to like what I've got to say because I actually rated him the lowest out of the entire grid talk forum. I rated him as an E. And the reason I did this, yes, he's a lovely guy, I'm sure he is, but his performances at the start of the season, I thought he looked like he was getting closer to George, and that for me was promising. But that Williams car is getting better and better and better, and his performances are not, and yes, he's just got a uh, he's just got a seventh place. But the cars that finished behind him, George Russell, he, okay, it's great that he's beaten George. Fine, uh, you know, same same car. Every dog has his day, a stop clock, and all that stuff. But then behind there, you've got a damaged Max Verstappen. You've got Kimi Raikkonen in a car that's slower. You've got Daniel Ricciardo in a damaged McLaren, and then you've got. Mick Schumacher in a slower car, Antonio Giovinazzi in a slower car. He's not actually beaten anyone that he should be beating. It's great that he's got points, but when you've got five cars out on the first lap that are in quicker cars than him, it's a lot easier to get points. So I think that's more of an anomaly rather than the trend. Now, if he comes in the second half of the season and manages to get a few more points, then fine. I will will say I was wrong. But right now, I don't see any evidence at all that he's any better. You look at his results, 18, retired, 16, 15, 16, 18, 17, 16. That's not the signs of a driver who's getting better in a car that's getting better. He's just flatlining and not improving, whereas George is going from strength to strength. And that car is getting better and more consistent. So that's why I put him as an E. Sorry. Oh, You've hurt me for it. I'm wounded. I'm wounded. Phil, please tell me you've got something positive to say. 
I mean, he scored points and he beat George at Hungary. Um, his dad's Correct. company is a, is a nice coffee brand. Um, I do yeah, like that coffee. I, their coffee is good. Um, I think Nicholas Satifi is a genuinely great guy. All these Canadian guys that bring the money, and it, it's good for the sport. And it's going to be interesting to see how he does with Nick DeVries as his teammate next year. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, he hasn't been at the same level as George, and maybe you could say it's unfair to expect that when you consider George has been de facto going to be the next big thing at Mercedes, whatever, after one Louis Hamilton goes away. But uh, team has gotten better. They haven't really invested as much as they probably wanted or didn't. They're not thinking about this year, thinking more about next year. He hasn't generally been at the same level as George all year. Yes, he did what he had to do at Hungary. He took the opportunity and he, he held on. And And I give George credit for also looking forward and wanting to possibly help, you know, even better position for, for Nicholas. But do I believe he's going to have sniff of points finished the rest of this year unless a cluster happens like what happened at Hungary? No. Um, is he going to be in the top 14? Yeah, maybe uh, at races, but it's there. It, he's a nice guy. His dad owns a piece of the team. And he's a decent driver. He's not egghead by any means. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, there are better options. Um, and I think he could make a nice career in sports cars or Formula E or any number of other things and run around and be happy. Um, and I think he'd probably be happier and more competitive uh, than what he is in Formula One. But, you know, I, I'll, I gave him a C- minus because of him doing what he had to do at Hungary. Um, I think some of these grades are altered by, you know, the last race. If if he didn't have that points finish, I think he would have been in the D category for me too. But um, credit to him taking the opportunity there. We'll see what happens uh, post-summer break and how he responds um, regarding, you know, performance and doing what he has to do to race with his teammate. I like that. Much more positive than Tom. <laughs> I like it. I prefer that. I prefer that answer. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's a really, really nice guy. I think he's just very, very likable, which is obviously why I like him. And Tom's right. Looking at the points, looking at his finishes over this season they haven't been great and I don't think they necessarily show fully what he's capable of because I've always been in the category or in the mindset that he would be a very decent midfield driver if he's got machinery under him and I feel like this was evident at Hungary but that's the only chance that we've seen it be evident I don't think the Williams is as good as a lot of people think it is I just think that George is outperforming it at times I think it's a great car on a Saturday and it's great seeing Nicky getting a little bit closer to George on the Saturday but what he needs to do is make it a little bit closer on a Sunday and I do agree that Hungary was a fluke result because at no point in the rest of the season I don't think we're going to see both of the Williams in the points I didn't even think Williams would be getting points this year so the fact that they actually managed to do that is honestly that was beyond my expectations but yeah I just I want 
I want him to have a bit more of an opportunity. I think once the car is a little bit more stable and better and the team is kind of more grounded, I'm looking to like the new regulations next year. I hope that that will, that they'll keep him on and that he'll be able to rise to that team leader role. And then whoever is with him in the car, he can be that nice second driver for them once they've got established. I just think he'd be a great second driver and a great midfield driver once Williams get their feet on the ground in the new regulations. Anyway, I could talk about Nicholas Latifi for the um for the entirety of this podcast, but we're going to talk about the final driver that is in category D and that is... Daniel Ricciardo and this one also pains me very much but I do lean towards agreeing because he's his season has not been what any of us expected and we all think that Daniel Ricciardo is a talented driver you don't become a seven-time race winner if you're not a talented driver you don't get picked up by Red Bull if you're not a talented driver so Daniel Ricciardo has a lot to offer but we haven't been seeing it Phil how disappointed are you seeing Ricardo's form this year? And did you expect anything different? Oh, I expected him to be up there with Lando. I, I mean, granted, did we see or did anyone project the the progress and the step forward that Lando had? I don't know. Probably Zach Brown and them and at uh, at McLaren saw it, but I figured Daniel with a really fast teammate getting a push and being in his team, which is a more tighter knit group, he would be able to perform, but it just has not worked this year. And it's a shame. I mean, the, what he was doing last year in the Renault, getting those podiums. And now you look at the Alpine situation with, I don't know how it would have been if he had stuck around and Alonzo came in. I don't know how that dynamic would have been, but um, it's a shame, honestly, you know, he's tied with Gasly in points. And it's interesting that, you know, he's had, he's, I mean, his best finish this year is fifth. I mean, he's had only, he's had multiple finishes out of, I mean, he's finished every race, but he's had three non-point scoring finishes. He's only had one top five. And when you see what Lando's doing in the same car, it's not a good look for a guy who has, as you said, Steph won seven Grand Prix, who has been considered one of the better drivers on the grid. Do I feel like with sim work, with other efforting, doing other progress, he'll he'll get better as the season goes on? I hope so. I mean, he needs to, frankly, um, especially when it comes to them trying to compete for the Constructors' Championship. Um, after Lando got knocked out at Hungary, he was a non-factor. Daniel was a non-factor in the race, and he didn't even score points. And we're talking about both Williams scored points, Max were stopping with half a car, scored points. You know, it's weird. You know, like so. What what are you doing? You know, so I it's I'm a Daniel Ricardo fan. I've been for a long time, but the fact of the matter is, I did not expect him to have the kind of season that he has had this year. And it's um, I hope with the summer break and a reset that he'll be able to come back and do much better in the second half. And whether it's support Lando or doing his part to go and get a podium or do whatever he has to do. Um, really compete um, and do what he's known for, you know, being the great last of the late breakers and all the other things, get the car doing what he needs it to do. Tom, anything, anything to add on the, the second McLaren guy who's fallen right down? Oh, it pains me to say. 
Yeah, it, it cuts me as well to, to rate him so low. He's one of my favourite drivers. Uh, I was buzzing when he signed for McLaren. I was I was hoping that he was going to be performing those those kind of like China victories that he was doing at later stages of, of Red Bull. Those types of performances where you, you know when when stuff happens, he just pulls it out of nowhere. But I think a lot of that is down to the Red Bull strategies department rather than than him. Uh, but the start of this season, he was he was scoring points frequently, and the, those points seem to have actually tailed off in the second part of this first half of the season which is slightly worrying because I was thinking you know if he's getting six seven nine sixth in the first sort of four or five races and obviously Monaco was a blip um and then you, uh, but it looked like it was there it looked like the trend was that he was on a slight upward trajectory and he was getting better but then it, it that has just stalled um he got a fifth place in in the British Grand Prix but I don't think that was a particularly stunning performance it was it would just really suit the it just suited the car so I'm just concerned that I don't think it's going to get any better. Fundamentally, there's something that's not right with this car with his style of driving. So I think this season is pretty much a bust for him. He's just got to do every, learn as much as he can about next year's car, try and get as many points as he can this season to help McLaren in the Constructors' Championship and that fight for third, um, and then just go again next year and try again. But he's he's got to keep his confidence up because Lando is going to be buoyed by this season, thinking he was up against a race winner and was going to be really tested, and he's just not been a match for him at all, all season. So I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting second half of the season, but um, I, I, I fear for him if he can't get it right next year because uh, he could, his career could go south very quickly. He's raced for five teams in Formula One now. I don't really think there's any way to go after McLaren, unless he wants to go somewhere like Sauber or something like that. So I, I just, yeah, I'm just a little bit worried for his career if it doesn't come right next year. Oh my God, I completely agree. And I feel like what you said about him, his driving style not meshing with the car, like I've been saying this for the last few weeks as well that there's something wrong because I saw a side to side of him and Lando around Austria so when we went to Austria for their qualifying laps and how distinctly different they were and Lando was able to make it all the way up to eighth gear at one point on a straight and Daniel just wasn't he was only able to get up to seventh because of the way he exits corners and drives I'm trying to explain this really badly but anyway I just saw a side-by-side -side comparison of Lando and Daniel and Daniel looks really uncomfortable and that's what I'm seeing with him and I just feel very uncomfortable and a lot of people thought that it was a great match that's the word a great match Daniel and McLaren and I've always had a really uneasy feeling about it because I feel like there was a lot of expectation with this combination of driver and team right now. And I just feel like it's not living up to what people want. And it's, I don't know, it's really upsetting me. I feel like everybody loves Daniel Ricciardo. He's great. We all want him to do well. And it's just not happening right now. So hopefully going into the second half of the season, he can definitely turn that around because it's what we all want. But anyway, we're done with category G. I feel like we talked a lot about them, but it's on to category C. And this one contains... Valtteri Bottas, Sergio Perez, Mick Schumacher, Lance Stroll and Esteban Ocon. Let's start actually with Ocon because he won the last race, the Hungarian GP. But apart from that, he's been having quite a mediocre season, especially after he signed that contract to extend his collaboration with Alpine. After he signed that contract, it all went downhill for him. So how can we actually rate his season as a whole? Phil, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, if uh, we we look at what he did in Hungary and holding off a four-time world champion and Sebastian Vettel taking the opportunity he was given and getting that first career Grand Prix victory, albeit you can also say that his uh, teammate was a great assist in that. Uh, but 
outside of that, I mean, as you said, his year was really, really bad. Um, he was running. He had good qualifying runs. He was in Q3, three races in a row early in the season uh, in Imola, Portimao, and Catalonia. And he was just outside of the cutoff at Monte Carlo and Paul Ricard. Um, Baku, he was dead last. He had an issue three laps into the race. But I think he signed the 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 contract at Catalonia. And then you look at his numbers after that. He finished dead last in two races, 14th and two. It was not good. And then he had that recovery drive of sorts at Silverstone with the sprint uh, qualifying. But he only finished ninth. At the same time, while while he's having a downward trend, his teammate, albeit much more experienced in coming back to Formula One, is rising up and proving why he is one of the most respected and great drivers in recent memory in Formula One. Um, his grade is basically based on – a lot of these grades, I think, are based on literally um, the Hungarian Grand Prix because he'd be in the D – probably be in the D category – um, if it wasn't for the win, um, there'd be other drivers that, I mean, I graded some of the people that are in C that are, that, that are, I put them in the D category. So the, that one race really altered a lot of the grades here, but I think Esteban Ocon, we'll see how he responds now in the second half of the season. Can he bring the fight to Fernando Alonso? And they're going to be together next year, more than likely, um, it, they can say whatever they want to say. I think he's signed a two-year deal, Fernando Alonso. So um, will he be able to compete uh, with his teammate and push um, in regards to this midfield battle um, in the Constructors' Championship? That's really how we will be able to truly judge um, Esteban Ocon by the end of the year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, the fact for me is Ocon is currently on 39 points and Alonso is on 38 points. Now, bear in mind, Ocon has actually had a whole race victory, whole 25 points more than, well, not more than Fernando Alonso because he came fourth, but 25 points is a big haul of points. And the fact that Alonso is just one point behind him in the standings shows that he's had overall a more consistent season. And you can see that from Alonso's results, which is why I'm, quite disappointed with the way that Esteban Ocon has been performing because it's not like he's a two-time world champion, but he was doing really well towards the end of last year and he's really established in this team now. So I was expecting a little bit more from him and I honestly wasn't expecting Fernando Alonso to be as good. But Tom, do you have anything to add on the Esteban Ocon situation? No, I think he's, he's one of those kind of drivers, as I said at the start, you know, he's a, he's a C driver, you know, he, he just, he just cruises through there getting the, you know, kind of, he's a good barometer for Fernando Alonso. You can see that Fernando starts off the season behind him and now he's ahead of him just because Fernando took five races to get back into the swing of things and uh, which as predicted at the start of the season. So um, I, I think he's had a bit of bad luck, uh, but then he's had one phenomenal piece of good luck. So that's, that's given him this, this race win. And, uh, and I think the Alpine they've, they've, They've kind of solved a few issues with that car now as well. So um, it's starting to move forward as a car. Um, and Esteban looked like he was uh, obviously with that chassis change, uh, whether that be psychosomatic or whether there actually was something physically wrong with the chassis, we don't know. Um, but that certainly seems to have done the trick and got him back to at least where he was in that, you know, getting the, the ninth 
eighth, seventh kind of position places. So it's it's just down to again second half of the season. Um, I, I think if he if he can stay with Fernando, then potentially he's got a chance of knocking that grade up to a B by the end of the season. But uh, my suspicion is he'll just be a C driver for the rest of the season, uh, in my opinion. Fair enough. Right. Well, we'll come back to this and. Uh... We will see if you were correct. Um, but moving on, let's talk about Mick Schumacher, who's also in the C category. And I feel like this is too high. And the reason being is that Mick has had made many mistakes in the last few races, and it is because he's a rookie. Now, we have seen some glimmers of really great stuff from him. So in Hungary, when he was fighting with Max Verstappen, I keep using Hungary as a reference, and it's because my memory is a sieve, and that race was like two weeks ago, and I can remember it. But... That was a great little battle, and I think it showed what um, Mick would be capable of when he's able to fight other cars, and that Haas isn't just stuck behind everyone and everything. But I would have put him in the D because I feel like there have been lots of mistakes. He's crashed out several times. We had a crash in qualifying in, I want to say, France. He did crash out in... No, it wasn't Silverstone, but there was another one where he had a pretty big impact. Maybe it was Hungary, actually. See, this is what I mean. My brain can't. My brain can't remember this. But I have. Re- I do remember Mick has made several mistakes, and I don't think I would put him as high as an average driver at this point. I think he's still below, but I do know that he will get better. So I'm not worried for Mick right now. What do you think, Tom? I think that's completely fair, to be honest. I mean, I did grade him as a C, but uh, you put some very, very good uh, arguments yeah. there. And and I probably agree that I probably was slightly too generous on that C. And he's he's a bottom C. You know, he's uh, if you if you're great, all the all the drivers in that C category, he's at, he's at the bottom of that for me. Um, and Yuki Tsunoda probably at the top of it. So it's um, it, he's very similar to Yuki Tsunoda this season as a rookie. They've had similar seasons, but in very, very different cars. Yuki Tsunoda has not performed in a car that he should have been performing in, whereas Schumacher has actually performed in the car on occasion. He's shown he's shown that he can do it. But uh, again, as, it, as it's gone on, you know, his teammates start to catch up with him. So that kind of knocks it back a little bit as well. Uh, the team, the car is just awful. You know, it's and I think that's kind of where my grade came from. It's it's, it's hard to drive. He's a rookie. He's got no support. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's got support from his engineer, obviously, because you know he's he's amazing he's the but, best uh, but he's you know he's got he's got such a he's in a, such a difficult situation it must be so hard for him as well um with everything that he's gone through to to be in formula one here with, without his dad around as well or not having around properly anyway so it's it's a very difficult situation for him and i never thought i'd be cheering on a schumacher but um i i am and i really hope he does do well but yeah i think in hindsight my c was probably a little a little bit uh on the generous side but uh i think he certainly has the potential to be that c driver at the end of the season if he just cuts out those those rookie errors that are happening at crucial times if you if you're doing them in practice sessions then you know you're kind of trying to find the limit of the car if you're doing them in qualifying sessions, then you're, you know, you're fundamentally ruining your team's chances in the race. And that team need him to not be wrecking his car because they don't have any money and he is wrecking <laughs> his car. So they cannot uh, afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. Uh, yeah, Gunther came out as well and was like, oh, these crashes are costing us so much money. And it's like, Gunther, you sound two rookies. What did you expect? What did you expect, man? But let's move on from Schumacher. And I'm going to bring up Perez and then we're going to compare him to Bottas so Checo actually has a race win but he's in the C category so Phil 
do you think he belongs there? Do you think he belongs higher? I think he's settled into the Red Bull team decently well and has been performing better than Gasly and Albon have been performing in that second car. But would you agree? I think that for what they are and being the second driver at Red Bull, uh, I do agree with your your takes, Steph. I, but I also say that Sergio Perez, to be fair, I think is a better driver than either of those two. Um, I think his qualifying has always been an issue for Sergio Perez for years. I think it's part of the reason why he got ran out of McLaren after one year, other than racing his teammate hard. But um, his qualifying pace has not been great, which in turn has made strategy calls for Red Bull much more difficult. They've had errors and issues, which always happen with the second Red Bull car that um, have affected races for him. I think the C grade is fair. I think the reality is it'll, I feel improvement will come for him uh, because I think once he figures out how to get the most out of the car in qualifying trim on a regular basis, then he's going to be able to bring the fight to both Mercedes, help Max, then he'll, he'll progress. I think he had, he's had opportunities this year. I mean, yes, he got the win at Baku, because Max crashed and blew a tire and all that, but he wasn't going to win. He was going to sit there and finish second. And I think they would have been fine with the second too, but you know, the fourths and fifths are fine, but really, uh, then I think that's what they expect. They, but I think they want him to get more podiums and I think he's going to get there. I think once he figures out the qualifying pace, I think his grade for me is more based on the over, like if you're taking the overall, I think his race craft is very high up there when he's given the opportunity to race. His qualifying pace is what brings him down. And then once you balance those things out, I think he'll be just fine. That's very, very interesting. Now, I want Tom to compare it with Bottas because, as we can see, both of the uh, second drivers for the top teams in Mercedes and Red Bull, the, both of the second drivers have now fallen to this C category. So they're doing average, so to speak. Valtteri Bottas has obviously not really had the best start to the season whatsoever. It has been very turbulent for him. How do you compare him to Checo? And do you think he's actually performing better? Like which of the two second drivers do you think is stronger right now? I think uh, they're very, they are very similar. Uh, I think Valtteri has probably got the edge on overall pace, certainly in qualifying. Uh, and uh, Sergio's always had issues with his starts as well as his qualifying, which is very makes life very difficult for for Red Bull. Uh, and Valtteri is just that steady Eddie that can that can put the car exactly where it needs to be. I, I think he's I think he is better than a than a C driver, but uh, but he's not done it this season, which is why I personally had him as a D, uh, which I think is probably a little bit harsh given that I've given Perez a C. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the pair of them, they're, they're, they're doing what, or they're, they're trying to do what they're, um, what they're employed to do. But I think the, the problem is, I mean, Valtteri's been a little bit unlucky with uh, being taken out in Imola, but then, you know, he, he started playing Skittles with the other cars in Hungary. So it's kind of, you know, <laughs> Bit, bit of one and the other, really. And obviously, a very, bowling. very, yeah, very unlucky in Monaco as well. So he's had two races where he was he was on for podiums. Well, not, not so much podium. But he was on for podium in uh, in Monaco and he was uh, he was still going to get points in uh, in Imola. 
with those results, he's sitting third in the championship and he's doing the job he's supposed to be doing. But um, a couple of mediocre results um, and he's and a couple of retirements and he's out of it. So uh, he must be under enormous pressure as well. And that can't be good for his uh, his mental state as well. But, you know, that's kind of why you're there. You're in you're in Formula One because you want to be the best. And so that means you had to be compared to the best. And if you don't compare, then you get booted out. That's that's the name of the game, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, I think as as a pair, they're doing very similar jobs for the team, which is not quite enough. Now, whether that's because Max and Lewis are doing so well or because that's just where those drivers naturally fall, I'm not certain. I do think that Sergio Perez um, in the best car has won a race when the other two good drivers have crashed out. So it's uh, it's a bit of a odd barometer to say that's that, that that he's won a race, so therefore he's doing better than than uh, than Bottas in my opinion. So I, I think it's uh, very similar jobs, and uh, and they could both you know could do better, but. Um, probably would you'd feel bad for uh, for them if they were kicked out of their teams but you know not not everyone's got a George Russell sitting there waiting to come in so I suspect that Perez is probably going to remain yeah I think the issue that I have with the Perez Bottas situation is just the fact that Checo has come into this team this is his first year whereas this is Valtteri's fifth year with Mercedes and I'm expecting that he should be performing better than he is and I think that that is why he's just going average for me and maybe even below average because even you know this time last year he'd won a race and this year he hasn't and it is because these two title contenders in Max and Lewis are so strong but also Valtteri should have been there when Checo was there to be able to pick up that win when both of the drivers are knocked out you see so he should be up there and that's why I'm disappointed with Bottas but we're going to talk about the last driver in C and then we're going to move on to our great drivers because we know that that's what you'll want. But the last driver is Lance Stroll. It has been average for him. I was expecting a little bit more, but maybe that's because I realized how good Lance Stroll was last year and I just ended up putting a little bit too much expectation on him this year. But I feel like I expected him to do better than uh, Sebastian entering that team as a rookie and as a not rookie but a newbie in the team and unfortunately he hasn't been doing better than him but it hasn't been awful Phil any words to explain Lance Stroll's lack of exceptionality in this season uh I don't know I'm not really I mean people say I'm negative about everybody but the fact of the matter is no finish better than eighth this season, three time, four times he's finished eighth, uh, 14th in points, tied with Yuki Sonoda, uh, basically in no man's land when his teammate is, I mean, he got, that was what happened to him at Hungary. He almost won the race and he should have probably gotten more out of it and they screwed him out of it. But the fact is Sebastian Vettel started out rough and he, he has progressed and Ever since whatever Monaco, it's been a different, you know, for like a good run, three or four of these races, Vettel has outperformed him in the same car. Now, granted, Sergio Perez was generally doing the same thing outside of, um, I think, the Turkish Grand Prix last year when uh, Stroll probably should have won. Um, he hasn't really done anything this year. And I mean, you could say maybe it's the rake of the car. You know, Otmar Saf now was whining about that for I don't know how many months or whatever maybe it's the car maybe it's a, but i just he he's just not there's not much there uh the the grand scheme of thing is we know why he's there um because his dad owns a team 
Uh, it's really, and he, he probably isn't a bad guy, but you know, if his dad didn't own the team, would he be in formula one? I don't think so. Um, you, there are drivers that are out there that are looking for rides or looking for opportunities that probably could do better in that car, but will never get that chance. So 14th in points being behind a rookie who's made a lot of mistakes this year. It's interesting. Um, and when your teammate who's four time world champion and was off for a while, he's had a few bad years, but then when he shows up, he's had really great performances. So what is it, you know, like, where is it from Lance Stroll? And especially when you're thinking about the constructors championship, you really have to perform here to go and get what you have to get out of, um, every race. Yes, exactly. Um, but we're, we're done. With category C, we're now graduating to the big boys. B. <laughs> that was so weird. Sorry, uh, but yeah, we're at the we're in B now. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Lance Stroll's teammate Sebastian Vettel because he is in B alongside Fernando Alonso, George Russell, and Pierre Gasly. So let's talk about Vettel first in context with Lance, I guess. So, Tom, I I think he's doing better than I expected him to do, especially at the beginning of the season. It looked like he wasn't taking to that car very well. And then, boom, all of a sudden, podium. And it was like, whoa, okay, Seb, what's going on here then? Yeah, no, he's, uh, it's... It's a gradual return to form for Sebastian Vettel. Uh, my issue with Sebastian, which is why I, I only gave him a C, uh, was it just took him so long to get going. And then he's also, uh, the two Austrian Grand Prix weren't great. Um, retiring in the British Grand Prix, uh, having an unforced error. And then obviously it wasn't his fault with the disqualification. That's completely out of his hands. Um, but that's for me why I why I dropped him into that Um into that C category uh, for me, um, but against his teammate, you know, his, his teammate is what in the fifth fastest car, and he's coming tenth. So that's kind of that's the definition of a C driver. Uh, it's exactly where he should be. The only times he gets eight for when Bottas or Verstappen have retired, or one time when Gasly retired. So he's only um, he, he is just the ultimate average driver, Lance Stroll, and uh, Sebastian Vettel, having only finished in the points three times where he's been allowed to keep those points, um, has got more points, nearly double the points that Lance Stroll's got. So he has to be in a in, in slightly higher regard than Lance Stroll, but I still think they're both C drivers. But I think the fact that his disqualification from second place is... Um, has knocked him back down. I think that's why people are kind of bumping him up a little bit into that into that B category. Um, but uh, again, you know, you take six drivers out uh, that would have been ahead of him, or five drivers ahead that would have been ahead of him. You know, that 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 second place all of a sudden is another decent result, a decent seventh place. You know, so it's it's um, certainly against his teammate. He's he's proven that he's got the X factor ability. He can pull out that big result that Lance Stroll has never been able to pull out. Uh, to be fair to him, he's never really had the car to do it apart from one time last year. And then he fluffed his lines um, in the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> so for me, it's, uh, it, he's, he's shown, he's vindicated the decision to bring him into the team with his performances so far this year. But uh, he definitely could do better. I would like to see Vintage Seb back, you know, not, uh, go up another level uh, and perhaps, you know, get get some more podiums this season. And then next year with a stronger car, be fighting for race wins. And then that should then, you know, that's when we judge Lance Stroll against him when they've both got a car that's competitive. Mm -hmm. I think the issue that we've got with Seb right now as to why some of us are struggling to put him in that B is that inconsistency that, 
we've got with the Aston Martin. Oh, and everyone's nodding in agreement with me, just so all your listeners know. I'm always correct. But yeah, I think that that's the problem. As long as he can fix those inconsistencies, I think he'll be he'll be doing decently. So we'll have to... I think it's going to be really interesting coming back at the end of the season to look at what we said mid-season when the rest of the 12 races go however they're going to go. But another driver who kind of started off the season badly and then managed to graduate into good things was Fernando Alonso. Phil, let's talk about his season because I was not expecting great things from Fernando Alonso, even though he is a two-time world champ, but he has completely blown me out of the water and I definitely wasn't expecting him to be doing as well as he's doing. Yeah, it's for for Fernando Alonso, he had the rough start, as we mentioned earlier, when it came to Ocon. Uh, and, you know, after you take a couple of years away, he's been doing all kinds of other racing, racing in the, the uh, what's it, an IndyCar, trying to make the Indy 500, running the Dakar Rally, all these different things. And he's he's run, he ran well, or, he, or but it is as he's running well now, and that's what really matters. Uh, his defense of Lewis might be one of the drives of the year, probably when we get to the end of the season. He It took that time. I think he said it was going to take time. This whole year is like, oh, I'm thinking about 2022. But I think once Monaco came around, Spain-Monaco time, once they gave the uh, extension to Ocon, something switched for, uh, for Alonso, and he has brought himself back up to a level akin to why he's a two-time world champion, all these grand, 30 plus Grand Prix wins. And I think he's, he's very, he, he's happier. Um, I think that's one thing that's helping him progress this year uh, versus previous years where, um, where he probably is, the morale wasn't great or the way he was handling things wasn't great. Well, now He's feeling better about things. He's right there, as we said, in regards to the points. I mean, he he was scoring points early. In, he had a retirement, had a couple rough races. But since Monaco, it's been he's been in the points consistently. His quali- qualifying has been better. He should have been in Q3 at Austria, the one race. But, you know, uh, Sebastian Vettel went and blocked him. So it's good to see. Um, another world champion out there, one of the best drivers out there, and his progression here in the last few races, back to what we know he's great at and his great driving ability and is positive for the sport in general. Very true. Yes, um, it's been good to see Alonso get back to form. And I think that defensive performance against Lewis Hamilton is something we'll all be talking about for a while. So, yes, but moving on. I want to talk about Pierre Gasly because I almost feel like he's being underrated here a little bit in the B category. And I think I would put him in the A's because when you look at Pierre Gasly's performances, especially in qualifying, I think that he's 100% outperforming the car. The AlphaTauri team in general is the only team that has scored points at every race this season. So the consistency that he and Yuki have been displaying together has been pretty good. I mean, there has only been three races uh, this season where Pierre has not finished in the points. So I think he's been really consistent, especially because I don't think that car is always as good as it should be. So in Bahrain, it looked incredibly quick, but then 
uh, other races, it hasn't really looked like it's got the com- the pace to compete with some of the other midfield cars. So I think in general, the fact that Pierre is getting it to points for the majority of the races, I think is really, really strong, especially because the midfield is so competitive with who we've got in it right now. So I don't know. Would you rate Pierre any higher or do you think he's fine in B, Tom? Um, I think he's top of the class. Um, and considering the driver where I'm expecting we're probably going to talk about next, uh, I was still rating above that one as well. So um, I think, yeah, he's 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 definitely on the borderline for the A's. But I just I just dropped him into the B's just because of, there's still the the odd mistake in there. He had a clumsy race in Bahrain and he's had a couple of mistakes here and there. But he's he's definitely shown that it wasn't just a fluke last year, that he's he is, has definitely got that. I, I probably have always said he's overrated, but... Um, I think I've I've probably been turned around a bit more this season. He's definitely it's it's either Yuki Snowder is awful or Pierre Gasly is actually pretty good. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking it's probably more the fact that Pierre Gasly is actually pretty good. So he's uh, he definitely got the potential to be in the A bracket at the end of the season. But for me, I think he's still just top of the class. But he's in that B category. All right. Well, the other guy that's in the B category is George Russell. I feel like, Tom, you actually have something to say about George Russell. I mean, it sounded that way. So if you want to talk about George Russell, honestly, just go take it away. Well, to be honest, I was I was actually really surprised that um, I thought I was going to be really um, controversial by saying that George Russell is a B. But then seeing that over half of us on the team gave him a B, I was quite shocked at that. And uh, um, yeah, I I, I thought I was going to get like hung, drawn and quartered for that. Uh, But no, it's I I think, yeah, he's he's fluffed his lines a couple of times again this season as he did as he did last season. The bad mistake in in Imola. um, And then, I mean, it was cheeky what he did in in Hungary to try and (laughs) try and let what would eventually been leading the race. But uh, but uh, it it was uh, it was cheeky. It didn't quite pay off. But again, it did actually lose him a position as a result of that. He's once again, He's in a position where he's going to be behind. It looks like he's going to finish behind his teammate. Finally gets the points though, so um, I think he's uh, he's got that. He's got that Mercedes driving the bag, surely. Um, and he's. But my my issue with him is he just seems to go backwards at the start of races. And for me, that's the reason why he just drops into that B. You can forgive the odd mistake here and there, which obviously some of the people in the A categories have had mistakes. Um, but for me, it's it's just a consistently putting it into Q2, putting it into Q3. And then you look at him on lap two and he's in 14th and you think, well, how did that happen? And it's just happening too often for me, which is why he drops into that B. And that may be because the Williams is hard to get off the line. And um, so I may be doing a mid-service there, but we'll find out next year when he's not in that car anymore, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say that that's, I'm not blaming it on the car. I'm going to blame it on George. I mean, this man has been in that Williams for nearly three years now if he can't figure out how to get it off the start line then there is an issue so I think in general we've just got a problem with starts because even when we have safety car restarts or um standing starts after red flags or anything George has not been on it and it's been upsetting me but Phil I want to hear your thoughts on um George's season because I, I I think it has been rocky there have been some incredible highs but there's definitely been some lows and some rookie mistakes yeah i think for george he's pushing you know the pressure is on after what happened at secure grand prix when he probably should have won filling in for lewis we talked about it on the show and everything that happened that day and all that and i think ever since then it's kind of been on deck that he was going to be in one of those cars eventually 
I think there's times I do agree with what Tom says. The starts are not great. And when you consider Valtteri Bottas' starts are nightmarish most of the time too, I hope it's not a trend. Um, I hope it's not something that switches over once he gets into the car. Um, I think also being around Lewis is going to make him have to step up. And in this case, I think he's a great team player. He's been a great um, ambassador for the organization, considering the transition we're going through right now. Um, I think his driving ability and what he's been able to do at times pulling Q3 results in a Williams uh, is unbelievable. But yeah, the race craft and some of the mistakes and some of the things he's done are not good and it'll have to be corrected once he gets into a better car, but I feel like he will. And the star of qualifying, I mean, that's the thing. I think one of the only reasons that I really love watching qualifying is because I want to see what George is going to do. And I think there's something to be said about that. Um, and it's, he's a, in, he, he's a good kid. He does things right. Um, and once he gets into the proper car, I think we're really going to see the best of uh, George Russell. But, I mean, things to work through as it gets to the second half of the year. The fact that they've made a car that's good enough to where he's able to compete at times is a positive considering where it started a couple of years ago um, when they were basically in the same spot as where Haas is and, um, to a lesser extent, Alfa Romeo. Uh, to be where they are is is a very positive sign for whoever will be in those cars next year. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's good seeing the back market teams, I don't know, sort themselves out. Uh, fingers crossed. Who knows where they're all going to be next year. But George, I think we collectively agree, is not going to be at the back of the grid anymore because he's going to be in a Mercedes. But it's all right. We're not talking about that because that could be a whole different topic so we're moving on to the a category we've gone through all of the b c d f's so we're in a now and this is an interesting one because we've got both of the ferrari boys in charles leclerc and carlos Sainz, paired with lewis hamilton so let's start with let's start with the ferrari boys together and let's judge them together because it's been an interesting one for the two of them you know where when f1 released their let's compare teammate stats um, it looks on the surface like Charles has been performing a lot better than Carlos, but the way that Carlos has kind of taken to that Ferrari, being completely new to the car, I think is really, really impressive. And he has brought out some solid performances. First couple of races were a little bit dodgy, but I feel like he's really got a good grip on it now. And it's actually, you know, a great pairing with Charles. I think they've both got a handle on the car. They've both got a handle on what's going on. And I think they're a formidable pairing. And if Daniel Ricciardo can't sort himself out, I definitely think that Ferrari are definitely, I need to stop saying definitely, they're really in the mix to potentially be P3 in the Constructors' Championship if McLaren can't get their second driver working because this pairing is fire, I think. So Phil, I think you very much agree with me. So take it away. I think in the end, with what you're saying there, Steph, I mean, Charles Leclerc has had these great performances in qualifying, and of course he had the run in the British Grand Prix too that we all remember. But uh, what Carlos Sainz has done through this career, he's been through so many teams now, just like Daniel Ricciardo, but he has built himself up as a steady guy. And to get in a Ferrari, and it's a lot of drivers have not done well there and have had hard times transitioning. 
Carlos Sainz, it's as smooth of a transition, honestly, as I've ever seen for somebody who's come into a Ferrari. And he may not have the best uh, qualifying. He'll be, he's a little bit off there. But he always comes through in the race, which is a very positive sign and is part of the reason why they are tied with McLaren right now in the Constructors' Championship, which, to be honest, I mean, uh, I didn't see that coming when you think about the French Grand Prix a few races ago and neither car was anywhere. Uh, they were lost in the abyss the way the tracks laid out too. You could get lost there too because of the runoffs, but that car was so bad. You'd have never thought that they would have recovered um, over these last few Grand Prix. but Carlos Sainz is steady sixth, fifth place gets the podium in Hungary. Charles Leclerc gets a second in great Britain with a couple of top 10 results they're making they're making good moves they're making good progress and fundamentally uh the ferrari it's not they're not back to where they used to be but they're gonna they're getting to a point where they're going to be a factor again which is good for the sport and i think they have one of their best driver combinations that they've had in a very long time because i think they balance each other out very very well I like that. I like that analogy. Tom, do you have anything to add on the Ferrari boys? I mean, I'm in general just really impressed with how quickly Ferrari have kind of bounced back from the horror show that was last year. Uh, yeah, no, I echo pretty much everything that Phil said. There. I think it's it's potentially their uh, their sh- potentially their strongest driver lineup ever. It's it really is that strong because they're so evenly matched and I think Carlos has done a phenomenal job to stay with there. Uh he's ahead of uh Charles Leclerc in the uh in the standings. You know, partially down to the uh, being wiped out by Botta uh, by Stroll, sorry, in uh, in Hungary, and also the uh, that did not start in Monaco. But that did not start in Monaco was his fault. So um, it is one real mistake all season. So it's um, yeah, uh, just just really good for Ferrari. Really good team moving forwards. I do think potentially next season when there's more on the line, um, Sainz and Leclerc might. Uh, it may not be quite so harmonious, um, but we'll we'll wait and see. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be fireworks yeah definitely i mean i predicted them to clash quite a lot this year and because i i thought i just thought that they there would be fireworks like you said but i'm definitely expecting them next year maybe i'm reverse jinxing it i don't know um but yeah they're very very interesting lineup and i think they've performed really really well i think they're both deserving of that a category um but a guy who may be deserving of more may not be i mean i think he's quite accurately placed in this A category right now and it is our seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton so he we obviously have one more category above this one but Lewis Hamilton right now is in this A category so he is second from the top I think this is accurate because we've seen how great Lewis Hamilton can perform and I feel like there have been few errors this season that are just knocking him down from that top spot. He is performing at such a high level, but I just don't think it's as high a level as we've maybe seen previously. And we've had, we have seen a couple of these sneaky little errors pop in from time to time. So maybe him going off into the gravel in Imola and obviously the Baku incident where on the restart, he pressed the magic button or whatnot and ended up just going straight on, costing himself the victory. So there have been errors on Lewis Hamilton's part, and I think that that is why he can't be placed in the top one right now. So I definitely agree in putting him in A. Tom, tell me you agree with me. 
I do 100% agree with you. That's exactly what I had as well. So, uh, and for the for the same reasons, he's uh, a couple of little errors. He's now fighting harder, obviously, with with rebels, but he's still he's won four races this year in what probably for two of those races was not the quickest car, uh, and he's he's getting second places as well when he probably should be, only be getting third. So he's definitely doing very well. But it's the uh, it's the Baku and the Imola mistakes that for me drop him off. That he can't be in the A plus category. For those two errors you could potentially uh, forgive him one um but both of those errors he got very lucky uh to get to get back into the race uh but he's uh, after the um the Imola one but then just blowing 25 points potentially 26 points just completely gone uh from from a silly error in Baku uh he's had some phenomenal races though this year I mean people you know you talk about what happened at Silverstone but his race in Silverstone was brilliant his race in Hungary was brilliant um whose decision it was um with the whole tyre situation is uh, is is difficult to say for certain but um certainly racing wise he was brilliant in that the only real blot on this copybook for his racing all season was, was Monaco where just something wasn't quite right uh, apart from that he has been he's been putting that car to the absolute limit of where it can be um whereas his teammate hasn't which is why he would have been in contention for that a plus but said just can't put him in there because there's been too many errors but uh, yeah there's he's certainly not lost it put it that way yeah definitely um but speaking of errors the guys in the top category haven't really been making any or they've been making a little to none the tiny t- tiniest errors and this is our final category. This is the A plus category. And if you've been paying attention, you'll probably figure out that in this category, only two drivers are left. We have Max Verstappen and we have Lando Norris. Let's talk Lando to begin with, because this guy has had an incredible beginning to the season. Honestly, it's one of the, I think he had the longest consecutive points run of any McLaren driver in history before he obviously got taken out by Bottas in Hungary. So he was breaking stats left, right and centre. He was the only driver to have scored points at every race. He was, he's got, he's had three podiums, I think this season already, which is absolutely fantastic. So Phil, let's start with you. Thoughts on Lando. I, I can't fault him this season. I think he's done he's gone above and beyond what I expected. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it a little bit before stuff during the Dan Ricardo discussion, but the progression that year to year that Lando has made since he started in formula one, he's third in the world drivers championship. And to be fair, after Valtteri Botas's uh, seven tenth split attempt at Hungary, he might've been able to win that race. Uh, if he had actually been able to be in it, uh, He's had great pace most of the year. He's qualified well. He's had three podium finishes, only once outside of the retirement at Hungary had he finished outside of the top five, which is insane. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think the McLaren-Mercedes combination being back together has been a big deal. I know Tom, being the McLaren guy that he is, will be able to go and give more detail, of course. But in in reality, Lando Norris has taken – this big step forward towards, you know, will he be a world champion one day? Maybe we'll see, but I, I don't know that that was exactly the thought prior to getting into this year, but the way he's run this year has been outstanding. He's basically carried the McLaren organization and his, his tactics in race, his tactics in qualifying, everything is way up there. 
And it's something that, you know, if they give him something better to work with, I'd love to see him battle his buddy George Russell in a Mercedes or his buddy Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari and all these other super best friends like they all are. And then also race Lewis and Max, and it'll be a very good thing. Uh, Matt, uh, driver of the year, honestly, through the first half of the year to me is Lando. And the A-plus is well-deserved, and I think he'll carry it through for a very good grade this whole entire year. Tom, resident McLaren simp, shall we say? Uh, what do you want to say about Lando? I just echo everything Phil said again. It's uh, he's hit the nail right on the head. He's just been uh, he's been so much better this year. He's made progress every every season, even you know even race by race. Sometimes he makes he makes um, improvements. He doesn't seem to make the same mistake twice. He does make mistakes, and that's why um, for me, if you had to separate these two drivers, I would I would just edge Max ahead of Lando, just because those those. Odd small mistakes are still happening. A little bit of confusion on the radio sometimes about what to do in certain situations. So he is still he is still very young, uh, or certainly inexperienced. I mean, Max is young, but he's very young with regards to experience compared to Max Verstappen, and that shows him from time to time. But um, I'm fully on board the hype train. But let's uh, let's uh, that, not get too carried away just yet. Hopefully, he will be a world champion. It just depends on if McLaren can deliver a, a car for him to do that. Um, but he's uh, he's made a big step forward this year, made to look. Slow Slightly better by the fact that his teammate has been performing so badly, but uh, but with that he's uh, he's he's on the up, he's fully in the ascendancy, and I think if 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 next year he puts an improved Ricardo away in an improved McLaren going for race wins, then I'll be a uh, a very happy man. Yeah, we shall see, we shall see. I mean, Lando's definitely turned around my opinion because I never really thought he was good enough or quick enough to be a world champion, but I feel like the beginning of the season has really silence a lot of haters really and kind of proved that yeah he is capable of uh, driving at the front with these ultra fast drivers so yeah I'm, pr- I'm proud of Lando I feel like we've made great strides but the final driver Max Verstappen currently second in the championship or was leading it for a good portion of the um the first half of the season um well, let's just let's just talk about Max really because he's been locked in this championship battle with Lewis Hamilton, who we all know is a very good driver as he has seven world championships, and it has been a very very close and tense fight. Phil, how has Verstappen been coping with the pressure that inevitably comes with fighting at the front of the grid in the most competitive car against one of the most successful drivers in history? I mean, I'm I. I'm not the guy to go to in regards to Max Verstappen probably, but in the truth, to be fair, the guy has been the better driver uh, versus Lewis Hamilton this year. He has a better car. Granted, he's figured out what he was never, the qualifying was always his, was a bugaboo for him. And now he, he has that one lap pace and Lewis would always qualify on pole. Now Max is qualifying on pole. He gets starts very, very well, and his race pace and his ability to pass generally is is was never really in question. He got over the thing of running over people like his dad and all that used to do, and he um, he's performed very well. And frankly, you know, we could. I mean, Tom talked about the results that Lewis gave away. I mean, uh, the Baku result wasn't his fault. Um, he probably that's 25 points. You could that could go and switch around this point standings right now. You look at him getting used up 
like a bowling pin at Hungary. He probably had a car that could have been up there uh, to compete for a win. He, outside of that, outside of the Azerbaijan tire deal and what happened to him in, in Hungary, I mean, we've had, we've talked about the incident at Great Britain ad nauseum, but the fact of the matter is outside of that, he's won four Grand Prix, same amount as Lewis has. He has three second place finishes. Um, Lewis has four second place finishes. I mean, the fact of the matter is his point standings is going to go down to the end of the season, and he has proven why he is rated so highly and why they made such a big deal to try to get him at 16, 15, whatever years old, Red Bull, because that's their guy. Um, can he beat Lewis Hamilton is the question over a full season. Um, we'll see. Yeah, he actually does have the edge on Lewis. He's actually got five wins and Lewis only has four. So technically Max is actually has more wins, which I think... My fault, I miscounted. Yeah, I think that demonstrates exactly how well Max has been performing, considering that he has had those retirements or those races where he didn't end up in the points, whatever, and he's still so close to Lewis, but also a testament to how well Lewis is performing as well, that he's so close to Max, even though he's not got that race victory. Anyway, uh, that's just me rambling. Tom, what are your thoughts on how Max has been performing this season? I definitely think this has been his best season so far. Yeah, I mean, he's now got the car to compete, which he's never had before. Uh, and he's shown that he does have the maturity to compete with a with a, in, a, in a world championship situation. Uh, for me, I, I do think that there is there is some blame to be laid at his uh, at his door for what happened at Silverstone. In that, if that's Lewis Hamilton in that position, that doesn't happen. They both finished the race, but uh, but that's by the by. That will come in with experience, with age. Uh, can he can he do? basically what Lewis did in 2008 and win by making less mistakes than his teammate in the best car or, or than his rival in the best car. Um, I think he's, even though he's second in the championship, I think he's still the favorite to win the championship. They have the car, the tracks that remain, although on paper, a lot of them do suit Mercedes, it, not to the degree that they used to. And I think Red Bull just have a have a better package overall. Uh, it's just if they have situations like they had in Hungary where they just couldn't dial it in, if they have another situation like that, then they're in trouble because that could be a serious point swing. So maybe there's like the overall package is is has got its peaks higher than the Mercedes, but maybe the Mercedes is just a little bit better in uh, with regards to working range. But then again, Mercedes had that issue in Monaco. So um, it's it's going to be, it's it's so difficult to call. It's uh, impossible to call, but without a doubt, for me, Verstappen is definitely in that A-plus category because he's uh, he just fully deserves what he's had this year. Uh, a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of uh, a couple of small errors, as I said before, but not enough to knock him out of that A-plus category. So, no, very, very impressed with his performance this year. Yeah, definitely. And I think it'll be really interesting to see whether he'll be able to keep up those performances and in general, whether everyone will be able to move up or whether we'll see some downgrades because we've still got 12 races left in this season. So we're not even halfway through. We've got a long way to go. But those were all of our collective ratings. So that was the whole Grid Talk team in the background. We'd love to hear what you guys think. So don't forget to let us know. We are the F1 Chronicle on Facebook and F at F1 Chronicle on Twitter. So make sure you let us know your thoughts as well. Again, don't forget to leave us a good review on iTunes to be shouted out in the next episode and let us know your thoughts on the ratings as well. 
As I mentioned before, this is episode 126, but we have a huge back catalogue of shows. If you can't remember what happened during the Spanish Grand Prix, no, that one wasn't the most interesting. Let's talk, let's think about something more interesting. If you can't remember what happened during the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this year, we've got a race review. We've got a race review for everything, qualifying analysis. So if you need to go and refresh what's been going on, you can go and find those. We have race reviews, race analysis, quality analysis, interviews. So yeah, go look at our big back catalogue of shows and you can find us on all of the usual podcast platforms Uh, don't forget if you would like to support us you can support us on patreon to help us get better equipment to improve the quality for you guys but i think that's all we have to say for now thank you for joining thank you for listening and we will be back next week to preview the belgian grand prix thank you so much guys bye (laughs) 